Hey everyone, Dr. Bronstein here. I just wanted to thank you all again for having such an amazing impact uh, on me um, over the past uh, 15 weeks or so. Uh, the KiddoCast is a labor of love. I do it because um, my mission, vision, and purpose is to help as many people as I can through chiropractic in my lifetime, especially children. And so the KiddoCast is 100% successful because of folks like you spreading the word, sharing with colleagues, sharing with skeptical neighbors. If we can turn one family on to the philosophy of vitalism and chiropractic care so that we can save our generation of kids, I'll have done my job. So thank you very much. I appreciate every single one of you. Enjoy the remaining episodes of this season. Can't wait to see you guys in season three. Take care. Welcome to the second season finale of the KiddoCast for Chiropractic Family, the world's first and only podcast committed to normalizing complementary and alternative care, particularly chiropractic care for children by sharing the experiences of the doctors in the trenches. In our time together, we will talk with pillars in the alternative healthcare world to give you the tools you'll need to make positive change in the health of your children today. Simply put, we're here to change the trajectory of modern healthcare. I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Bronski. I'm a pediatric and family chiropractor certified by the Academy Council of Chiropractic Pediatrics and the director of the Beacon Clinic of Chiropractic in beautiful Grover Beach, California. And listeners, today for our season finale, do we have a treat. This gentleman, this scholar, uh, this this amazing, amazing chiropractor, um, I've known him for about, uh, about two years or so, um, but in that time, I've really come... To, to respect and just appreciate his perspective on chiropractic, on healing, on family dynamic, on philosophy, on you name it. I've had the joy and privilege of teaching tonal pediatrics in his office twice in 2017. I can't wait to go back to Omaha and visit him again. Today, we have the man, the myth, the legend, the Cairo man, Lyle Kocha himself. Uh, Dr. Kocha loves sharing his knowledge of chiropractic and chiropractic philosophy with others. He made the decision at the age of 15 that chiropractic would be his professional passion. Upon graduating with honors from Palmer College of Chiropractic in Davenport, Iowa, he opened Kocha Chiropractic Clinic in Omaha, Nebraska, and he's been adjusting his community for 30 years, folks. He's a frequent traveler to chiropractic groups, large and small, including chiropractic colleges, uh, to share his love, knowledge, and passion for chiropractic. He truly enjoys helping others see the greatness within themselves. When he's not adjusting his community, sharing with fellow chiropractors, or mentoring chiropractic students, you can find him relaxing with his wife, a 32-year Sean, and their awesome daughter, Blake. Um, and I want to give you a little bit of a heads up going into this episode. Uh, the reason that I reached out to Lyle to, to be on the kiddo cast was to talk about some deep deep concepts. For those of you parents who are listening to this cast and, and we hope you are really enjoying it, um, we're going to go down the rabbit hole on this one quite a bit because the philosophic constructs uh, of vitalism and the type of care that we provide in a chiropractic office, um, while they're, they're pretty simple and they're pretty straightforward, the, the body is made to heal, the nervous system is the master controller and any interference to that system can create a malfunction within the body. Uh, Dr. Lyle and I, we talk almost exclusively about two concepts known as stress resiliency and stress vulnerability. And if you guys can get these basic concepts and understand why 
stress vulnerability contribute contributes to long-standing dis-ease. Everything you guys do in the future with regards to healthcare decisions will be forever changed. So thank you guys for having an amazing season and joining me this entire last 15 weeks. I appreciate and love all of you. Look out for season three coming sometime in the winter of 2018. Until then, enjoy my interview with the man, the myth, the legend, Dr. Lyle Kocha. All right, guys, uh, with me today, we've got the man, the myth, the legend, Cairo man himself, Lyle Kocha. Hey, Lyle, thanks for joining us. Truly my honor, Dr. Dan. <laughs> Lyle, um, I've gotten to know you over the past uh, past two years or so, and I got to say, it's it's an honor and a pleasure. Um, there's, there's something to be said about spending time and being in the company of Kairos who really, really get the big idea. And I think um, in, in our time, especially, you know, where I live in, in California, where we've got such a such a, a weird sort of nanny state approach to healthcare, where it's becoming exponentially more difficult, not only to, you know, run a business and be a healthcare practitioner, but to raise a family. Um, we're starting to see the effects of long-standing, really medical tyranny on my generation, on the millennials, and it's it's really really tough. In my practice, you know, I, I have a, a large, predominantly pediatric practice, family practice. I know your practice is monstrous compared to mine, um, but uh, we're seeing the effects of that sort of outside-in approach how it's changing our genetics, how it's affecting future generations. And it's, uh, it's something that we're really, really trying to make an impact on so that we can make this full stop trajectory change for future generations. I talk about this in my new patient workshop all the time that this, uh, my kiddos generation is the first generation in recent memory that will have a lower life expectancy than ours. And it's really sad because it's just I don't see I don't see any other way to fix this problem other than for us Kairos who really focus on removing causes of interference to health um, to make that change. I'd love to hear you talk. I, I mean, you you are really on board with this this concept. I call it a paradigm shift in understanding how dysautonomia or autonomic. Um, discoordination in the nervous system affects health. Will you speak to that with regards to, you know, what you see in your practice? You know, they, uh, we call it in our office and I, and I was, I was telling you before, I have to give all the credit to one of my dear, dear friends, Dr. Rob Sinnott, who, um, put together, I mean, I, you and I were talking here, uh, it's a text. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's all about adaptability. That's, that's what he talks about. You're talking about and Rob Sinnott's textbook of human adaptability, correct? I, I am. And, and, and to take what Dr. Rob said, I'll just call Rob because he's a dear friend. Um, it's, it's called the adaptability focus paradigm. Mm. Um, and that's, that's the paradigm that we, we really have to start shifting into Dan, uh, the, the present paradigm. And it, you, I guess you have to decide what entity you're looking for. Mm. Um, there's four pathological states, which, you know, we'll get into that here in our four states of, of you know, pre-nosological uh, health or studies. And, and it's that fourth stage is where you get into the pathological stage. And that's where medicine falls right. is in that stage four, right. which is considered the pathological state. There's two or three other stages that lead up to that, that 
70 70 to 90% of the people fall into. Yeah. But the problem is, is we're waiting. We've, we've allowed ourselves by the present paradigm. uh, And sadly, our profession, chiropractors have fallen into that to wait and to become into stage four, which is the pathological state till symptoms show up. Right. Um, You know, we, and I hope I'm answering your question here, but we, there's that number out there that medicine um, is responsible for the two to 400,000 deaths a year due to their intervention. Yeah. And, and sadly, you know, we as chiropractors will bang our chest on that and go look what's happening. You know, I, I don't, we, we really can't do that because it's our fault as chiropractors. Yeah. Um, that we've allowed people to go that far. Yeah. And, and so we can't blame the, the allopathic model because we allowed that. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you 100%. I mean, I think, you know, for my listeners, you know, who are, are largely parents, um, some of them are, are chiropractic patients, um, but I assume a lot aren't. They're getting into the podcast to kind of, learn what this whole chiropractic thing is about, maybe referred by a friend or a family member. And, you know, I want to be really, really clear with this. And I, I assume that you're the same way, Lyle, is that I'm, I'm not anti-medicine by any stretch of the imagination, not but, at all. but what I'm, you know, what I'm against is I'm against, mistake. I'm against using any tool that we have available to us in the wrong paradigm, right? If we're using medicine to create wellness, we are totally missing the point. Conversely, if we're using chiropractic to put out house fires, we're kind of using it inappropriately as well. You know what I'm saying? You know, Dan, I 100% agree. And I really want to clarify that because for some reason, people will say chiropractors and medicine has this, this battle. You know, I think I have 30 some medical providers, doctors that, that come into our office, some surgeons. Yeah. Um, and I do that because you know what, if, if I've got a crisis situation, I'm going to them, yeah. you know, I, and I share this and you don't know this whole story, but, uh, almost two years ago today, um, I had to have some major surgery. Well, thank goodness that they were around. Thank goodness. I had the nurses because what they did was save my life. Mm. And I thank them for that. Mm. Um, what we really want to lean into is that adaptability focus paradigm yeah. where we live our life through our nerve system for your listeners out there. Um, the job of the nerve system, um, and primarily the autonomic nerve system is to create what's called vegetative homeostasis for the organism. Right. And that's Dr. Rifton, who is a, a PhD. Hmm. And what, what he means by that is the, the components of that autonomic nerve system is to create a state of balance. Mm. Uh, the organism is the human body. Mm. Um, homeostasis is balance. And so what it's supposed to do, um, if those two components, the sympathetic nerve system, which is, we like to explain it, the accelerator, um, the parasympathetic nerve system, we explain that as the brake. If those two are in balance, when the demands are placed on the organism, the body, then the body can create balance and homeostasis. But if the demands are greater, now we lose that ability to adapt. And we fall into what's called stress vulnerability. Right. And what I mean by that is the demands continue. The body, the organism, creates more vulnerability to more stressful situations. The ability to adapt now ceases. And it further spirals down. So now that that, that time frame... You've got to decide what am I going to do, um, and 
you know, and that there's the, the four stages that it leads through. Hmm. Um, we as, as chiropractors, like you and I, uh, Dr. Rob, we want to get to them before they hit that four stage pathological state, because right. now that's in a really tremendous crisis situation. Right. And uh, and so anyway, so that that's I, mean, I think that's where we're going to go with our conversation. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd really the reason I wanted to have you on the call is because this this piece I think we're, as a profession, we're starting to come into this understanding a little bit better. I mean, it's permeating the so-called chiropractic zeitgeist. Um, you know, I, I teach a ton, and I, I talk to a lot of docs who are way, way smarter than me, and we're putting huge emphasis on so-called neurologically, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, neurologically focused chiropractic, except for the fact that chiropractic, by definition, is neurologically focused. From the minute that it became an actual thing back in 1895, it focuses on tone and how the nervous system adapts to its environment. The crazy thing is that I think other providers now are starting to realize that, but they're rebranding it in such a way that is non-chiropractic, right? And it's 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 one of those things where I think we're really starting to figure it out as chiropractors, but we have to stick to our guns on this as opposed to going the other direction. Um, Han Selye, who I'm sure does, Rob talks about Han Selye's theory in his book, right? <clears throat> Um, in his in his first text, he does. Okay, so so Cellier, <laughs> you know, is is one of the guys that really kind of with his writings changed my whole understanding of how chiropractic works because he's really the first guy that talked about stress in the in the the vernacular. I mean, stress wasn't really a word before the 1940s and 50s, from what I understand. And he talks about these four phases of stress adaptation alarm, adaptation, fatigue, and death, which every single living organism goes through uh, as a result of uh, adaptation to bad stress, so-called distress. Um, as a result, as you really you know, uh, made clear, most adults are walking around in full-blown fatigue mode, right? And that's where medicine really you know, is keeping people from dying. But we don't have a population that's really living either. Um, you know, as it pertains to kids, which is germane to this podcast, um, and we talked about this in our pre-chat, and I'm so glad you brought this up, we're essentially birthing kids into fatigue. We're birthing kids into stress vulnerability already. My buddy Stan, uh, Stanton Hom, who everybody has heard on this podcast, talks about how chronicity is something we're seeing at birth which is insane to me. It's insane, but it's it explains so much of what we're seeing in the health uh, spectrum with regards to our children. Um, let's, let's talk about this. Let's dig in a little bit and talk about how the effects of autonomic imbalance and stress vulnerability will affect our kids and affect our pregnant, uh, pregnant moms, even before conception. You know, and, and Dr. Rob, in his, in his text, I was, we were talking before, there are just under a hundred peer-reviewed articles, white papers, whatever you want to call them, that show that when a pregnant mom is stays, placed under stress, reaches that, that point of stress vulnerability, and who no longer has the ability to adapt, um, you know, she leads into that what we call the uh, uh, pre-morbid state. Mm. Is, is how it's called. It's, you know, it's where subpar adaptation begins to occur. You may have symptoms. Um, you know, have the pre, pre, pre-nosological state. Um, that's stage two. There's, that's where the, the tension on, on the ability for adaptive response via stressors occurs. Neither one of those two, Dan, are really, you know, diagnosable 
from a point of symptoms. And mm. I think hopefully we'll get into what we use to measure adaptation. Totally. Um, uh, but what happens with that when they're in that, that stage two or stage, stage three, um, stage one is proper adapt function. Um, you know, you're at your optimal ability and that's where we want to be, but you get into stage two and stage three. And I, and I think our pregnant moms actually are, are starting to get into that stage three, that pre-morbid state yeah. where they may have some symptoms or just on the edge of that. Yeah. Well, we call it transgenerational stress. Mm. That actually will impact that unborn child, that that developing baby, where it will actually, <clears throat> and, and it'll alter the genetic structure. Yeah. It'll create that oxidative stress, which changes genes. Yeah. And this isn't something that's out there in the clouds. There are peer-reviewed articles um, that actually show that that unborn child's genetic structure has changed and they're born already in a state of stress vulnerability. Right. It's, so they're, um, they're being born, they're being born chronic. Yeah. It's, I mean, especially in the third trimester, we know that baby's feeding off of mom's cortisol. And if mom is, is really having a hard time adapting to that distress in her environment, um, it will affect the baby several more fold past the 28th week. Um, I mean, and then, you know, honestly, I, I talk about this a lot because, you know, I, I focus uh, a lot of my training this last year with, with doulas and, and working on, on meeting moms where they are and helping to change this really almost assaultive culture, this patriarchal assaultive culture in the birthing world. Um, I mean, the biggest thing that contributes to most of this in birthing is fear. Um, we've got moms who are essentially being told by the wrong people that birth is not something that their body is built to do. And they go into the birth without really much of a plan, assuming that things are going to go great, which they should because their bodies are built to do this. Um, but then we have one Cavalier OB or one Cavalier birth worker somewhere along the way that says, uh, you know, on second thought, baby's in distress. Uh, we're going to push pit or we're going to push side attack or we're going to push an epidural because you're in too much pain or don't be a hero. We're just going to take the baby by C-section. And then, bam, we've magnified that stress vulnerability, not only in the mom, but in the baby. And then we wonder why baby can't latch or we wonder why so you, baby's you, constipated. You covered, you covered so much that I want to kind of stop you so you keep going. Sure. But because you here's, here's you even said that the, at the start, Dan, um, we need a paradigm shift. Yeah. And, and what you said was today's children, they're, we're in a, um, much more, uh, what's the word I want to use here, advanced culture than we've ever seen before. The technology we have today is insane. The awareness of uh, proper uh, health advice is far better than it was 10 years ago, five years ago. Sure. Um, whether it's um, uh, exercise, um, mental self-development programs out there, uh, and mental self-improvement programs out there are far greater. I mean, I've been in practice almost 30 years and I'm seeing what I see today for self-improvement, which is some very good stuff is out there like never before. Right. There are more fitness, mo fitness ideas out there ever before. Nutritionally, more awareness of what's right, what's wrong than ever before. Right. Not only for you and I, but for our children. Right. So I ask with that in mind, we have far advances in you know, when D.D. Palmer talked about in 1895, we have the traumatism, which is the physical stressors. Well, we're aware of, 
altering traumatism. Um, the second thing was toxins, um, the nutritional component. We're more aware now and we have more choices than ever before. And then we have auto-suggestion, which is the mental component. We have more choices now than ever before. So why are our children, based upon that, why are our children lifespan far less? Hmm. Because the advances out there have set, we should be better. Yeah. But we're not. And it comes back to what you just said. Our children, because of the fear that's being imposed on these moms that are in the birth process, which now we've had more demand, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then we induce a traumatism, whether it's the epidural, that, that creates traumatism, and that also induces a toxine. Mm -hmm. We've now added more demand. We've now created more transgenerational stressors. We now create more oxidative stress. That child is already born into this world in, in a state of stress vulnerability. Totally. We're, we're, we're birthing children who are already in a state of vulnerability that's never happened before. Yeah. Which so is why, you know, we're seeing all these symptoms yes. now that uh, that have never showed up before. It's why we have one in four high school age students on Adderall or Ritalin. We have, you know, an approaching one in two boys that are, are, are predicted to be autistic at birth um, or at least uh, showing signs of cognitive delay. You know, in my practice, I see a cognitive delay, I'd say, in one out of every three children that I check these days. It's, it's stress vulnerability is exactly the right term for this type of thing. And I think... Now, Dan, here's what, here's what they'll say, though, Dan. Sure. They'll say, well, it's genetics. Right. It is. Yeah. But see, they're, they're missing the boat. And, and, I, and I, don't mean, I'm not, I don't mean to pick on anybody here because I don't. Yeah. But because, as you know, I'm going I'm, I'm to go after what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. Um, and so, please, I'm not trying to offend anybody when I say this, but they're saying it, it's genetics. It is genetics. Yeah. It's genetics because you've put them in a state of stress vulnerability in that developing fetus. You've altered their genes, which, by the way, can be altered back. You can change. You can change that pattern. Yeah. Um, uh, you can help them adapt better. But we're 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 allowing through the fear demand, let's say, of somebody who's already in a state of vulnerability. We've yes, we have changed our genes. Yeah. But you it know, can be stopped. Yeah, and I first of all, this is why I had you on, Lyle, because I knew you weren't going to hold back, and that's what I love about <laughs> you. I mean, it's it's funny to watch you on social media, you know, coming out of your shell again. I know you took a little hiatus for a bit, but uh, we got to tell it how it is because you know we live in this culture of denial when it comes to healthcare. We have an entire generation, right? My generation, who was born off the the sort of the baby boom generation. My parent is, parents are baby boomers and their entire generation, at least their healthcare uh, characteristics are, are based on this idea that medicine is the marvel that can extend your life. And so you'll see my mother, for example, her generation walks around with the pill boxes that have the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday on it. And they don't even know what they're putting in their mouths. Right. Every time I get an adult of that generation in my office, they'll hand me their prescription list of all the meds that they're on that are just, you know, my doctor said it's safer for me just to be on these meds because it keeps my cholesterol down, keeps my blood pressure down, helps me sleep at night, you know, fixes my erectile dysfunction, like you name it. Right. It's all boilerplate. This sort of passivity, meaning this this lack of active participation and understanding in what creates 
really sustainable health is what has brought us to this point. So we have two choices. We either take ownership, and I'm talking to my generation, I'm talking to millennials, or we continue to spiral downhill and we watch everything completely fall apart for our kids. I mean, I have a nine-year-old. I know you got a daughter. Never, ever going to happen to my kids. But our kids are not enough. If we don't make a change to the next generation, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're a few generations removed from complete extinction. Um, I, I think... Know, let's, let's talk about kids real quick. Dan. Sure. It's really interesting. And, and I think of, you know, Blake, you know, Blake will be 25 and she's, and you'll know this when your kids grow up. There's still, there's still your little, she's still my little girl. Um, but what's interesting about it, when Blake would go, when Blake went to school, she'd always say, you know, Blake didn't take medication. She didn't lie. You know, it was, it was really sad that at a certain time of the day, all the kids went to the nurse's office to get their pills. Yeah. And it really, I mean, it really happened. Yeah. And Blake was. Like she would say, Dad, I was that weird kid. I didn't do that. <laughs> um, when she would be around her friends and they were all going to get their vaccines that day, and Blake's like, yeah, I didn't do it. Hmm. She was like, aren't you afraid? Your kids are going to grow up the same thing. Yeah. Here's what's really scary, and I don't know. I've not seen this yet, but I'm going to say it now. Yeah. At the start of this, you said today's children's lifespan is less than ours, right? Yeah. It's projected I, to be. I, and, and, I, and I'm curious, do you know – what that projected number, what that diminishment is, just because I honestly I've not looked it up. I'm going to. Mm, yeah, you're putting up. me on the spot. I don't know what the exact yeah, number and is, I, and I don't either. So because we just said it, so I want to find out. But now let's take it a step further. These kids today that are being born, these brand new babies that are being born today, how much of a drop are we going to see in their lifespan? Yeah. And with the most advanced technology in the world, mm. we continue to go down. Yeah. What that means now, it's time to shop for the mountaintops. We gotta change things, man. Yeah. We have to change things. Yeah. And um, so maybe it's time to um, get unpopular a little bit and be <laughs> that one to make a change. You know, when uh, when when Blake was born, they didn't have doulas and midwives. Twenty five, they weren't even allowed in, in where I live in my city. Not even in, in the hospital. Yeah. And uh, and it was really interesting because when Blake was born, and they they wanted to take her out and put her in the separate room. And we're like, yeah, it's not going to happen. Mm. And well, let's put the silver nitrate in the ice. No, it's not going to happen. We in Omaha bucked that trend. And we were that weird family that, you know, we, we were the weirdos. Mm. Um, and I, I don't mean, obviously no disrespect, but it's maybe it's time to get a little bold. And, and that's what you're doing. That's, that's what you're doing. Yeah. And let's make a change because it's, it's for our children, man. Yeah. That's what it's for. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, I, I think you know me to the point where, you know, we can be totally frank, you know, with the so-called 10,000 people or so that are listening to this podcast. So I guess we're not sharing it between us anymore, but most people who know me in my practice, especially, you know, I, I'm, I'm done, man. I've been in practice for six years six years in March and I'm already done. I'm done with all the PC. I'm done with all this sort of just, just gentle sort of approaching when it comes to pregnancy. Yeah. I want to meet moms where they are. Yeah. I want to honor their space. I want to make sure that they have the power that they need to do this because God knows they are really stuck in a rut in California. But you know, since I've become a dad, things have changed. 
I, I'm not going to be kind about this stuff anymore because you know that the other side of this coin, um, the sort of, uh, you can call them the medical oligarchs, you can call them the politicians, you can call them whoever is responsible for sort of our, our healthcare directive in this, this demographic, they're not going to be kind either. Um, when I talk to my patients, I, I essentially, I let them know how it is straight up, right? Chiropractic patients, and I want to talk a little bit in a second about why chiropractic itself can affect things like stress resiliency, but chiropractic okay. patients are safer and healthier than everybody else in the community. My good buddy, Steve Hoffman, who I know you know, he talks about how chiropractic kids just shine a little bit brighter. I'm going to go on record as saying they shine a lot brighter than the average kid. Yep. And the question then is why, right? Why does this type of thing happen and how does that work? And realistically, I mean, chiropractic, chiropractic adjustment is so, so, so important. And you know how I operate, right? When it comes to my practice, my goal in my practice is not to adjust my patients. I want to make sure that they're actually functioning normally because the chiropractic adjustment is a bit of a destructive force. If they can come into my office and not need to be adjusted, that's the point, but ultimately, we have so many kids and families that are coming in that are just so sick. They have so many issues that are caused by interference to the neuraxis that a lot of the time they do need some rhythm and some repetition and some habitual change, right? So let's let's speak to that because I know you're a Gonstead guy, you know, and you right. focus on the outcome-based approach to chiropractic care um, that all Gonstead guys do. Let's let's talk about how chiropractic itself can affect that change between stress resiliency and stress vulnerability? Um, so, so to do that, I mean, that's little uh, uh, Bill Nye, the science guy here, I guess, whatever. So we kind of understand, so everybody understands what, what we're talking about or where we're going to go. Yeah. Um, so bear with me here a little bit. Sure. Um, we, we call it, um, it's the adaptive, adaptability focus paradigm. It's a program that, um, you know, over the last year when you and I started our, pre-conversation here um, I say what I in the clinic I like to in our office um, we put it in our lab for about a year mm. um, how we were going to communicate it to the public um, because they really need to know um, the role of your autonomic nerve system is to create a state of homeostasis balance in the body mm. as we talked about here a few minutes ago we're being born into a world of vulnerability what that means is is that the autonomic nerve system can no longer regulate the body that it falls into a state of the inability to adapt they now become what's called stress vulnerable the present model out there right now the allopathic model not right or wrong it's their model is that there's a disease entity and so they that you have to decide of what entity you're going to study the present day model is we're studying disease so you with disease you don't have disease until you don't until you have symptoms so if you have symptoms then what they do is they throw in some some pharmaceuticals or some other procedure to remove the symptoms right but the vulnerability is still there so then it, when it you you may, may fall down into maybe three because the symptoms disappear. They're in that three morbid state. Um, more demands are placed on the body. Vulnerability steps in. They fall back into uh, uh, symptoms again. You're now in that pathological state. More drugs. So you stay in that vicious cycle. 
Right. What we want to do, what we do as a chiropractor, you and I both, Steve, Stan. By the way, I, Stan, if you're listening to this, I miss you, dude. I have not talked to Dr. Stanton in so long. <laughs> so Stan, tell Stan I said hi when you see him next. Give him a big old hug from me. You got it. Um, uh, Dr. Rob Sinnott, the guys in my office. What we do is we measure um, with some of the technology we use in the office. We're measuring the autonomic nerve systems, the, the adaptability. And we're measuring those components. Do we have a dominant sympathetic, dominant parasympathetic function? Most people are dominant sympathetic. The parasympathetic component is, is not functioning. So now that, that overload of the body just continues and the body can't handle it. Sure. So what we want to do, like you, because I know how you practice, is we're going to work on that, that component that's going to help the body adapt, that parasympathetic component. Um, and in some situations, a sympathetic component. Sometimes. But it's predominantly a, a, predominantly a parasympathetic component, which is the brakes, because we want to slow the body down so we can handle those demands mm. to create stress resilience. Yeah. When you can fall into that stress resilience model, which is where we have to be, then the demands of the, the body... That, that are thrown upon the organism can be handled much better. Mm. Um, and it's that simple. It's, it's really, it's, it's that simple. And, and, and then I'll, one more thing, Dan, that I'll let you roll here, dude. Sure. Um, the research out there, and I know I'm not a research person, and I see people say we don't need more research. We don't need more research. What we need, because the research is out there, what we need is awareness of it. <laughs> and that's the complete. See, and I love that because I saw that, I think this morning somebody posted that, and I was like, well, I agree with that. Yeah. But people don't know. Chiropractors don't know yeah, yeah. what's out there. It's an awareness of what we do. Yeah. So, anyway. Well, okay, so there's three things that I want to I touch on here because I'm laughing because I just had a guy, uh, he's, a, he's a good dude, but he's, he's like in his last quarter of school at LifeWest, and I'm a precept doc up there, so, you know, anything pediatrics in the clinic, they're like, okay, what do I do with this? Um listen, you and I both know that chiropractic, uh, college clinics aren't exactly real clinics, um, in the sense that, you know, patients don't really get the same kind of standard of care that they get in our clinics. Um, not, that's not meant to be a slam on the colleges. I mean, again, there's some good colleges out there, but it's, let's just put it this way, right? If I see a really sick kid in my clinic, I might check them every couple of hours in the initial stages of care, just to make sure that we can get them to that point of arousal so they can actually tolerate that type of healing potential as they go home. Um, but it's it, invariably when students contact me, they're like, well, do you have research for this? Do you have research for that? And it's always usually condition based. It's like, well, do you have research for like ear infections in chiropractic? Right. I had one friend yesterday who was asking about, do you have research that talks about how chiropractic, particularly Webster care can improve labor outcomes? And to be honest, with everybody listening, if you guys are looking for things like research, you can go to my website and I have a ton of citations on, on the back end of my website because I am a research guy and I like looking at that stuff. But let's be totally clear here. There is not a lot of good research as it pertains to outcomes in chiropractic. As a matter of fact, can if I, you... Can I, can I interrupt you on the research real quick? Sure. This is what's funny. Sure. Because I just found this. Yeah. Um, British, this is what's so funny because you have some of the students out there. Right. Um and we have a fraction of our profession that says we need to be evidence-based, right? Whatever that means. Yeah, exactly. So, so we're let's 
God darn it. I'm going to go off a tangent here and I'm so sorry. Go for it. But let's, 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 let's do this when they say, well, we'll get to the evidence-based stuff because I laugh at that. Yeah. Um, British Medical Journal. I had to look it up real quick. British Medical Journal. Um, there's uh, only 1% of the articles in medical, journal, medical journals are scientifically based, partly, watch my word here, partly because many treatments have never been assessed at all. Yeah. So when you have those, you have the research. Well, the medicine research isn't out there. Yeah. Step further, David Eddy uh, uh, at Duke University. Only 15% of medical interventions are supported by solid scientific evidence. <laughs> so when they ask that, it's like, well, what, what, what is, as Chris Kent said, what do you, what is the research you're looking for? Right. Now let's tangent here and then I'll let you go back. I'm so sorry. I'm oh, you're this. good, man. But you're you, good. But, but you have, you have the evidence basers out there that'll say, let's do the research. I laugh at that because if you understand what we just said a few minutes ago, the components of the autonomic nerve system and its role and how chiropractic engages in the autonomic nerve system, yeah. then there's a lot of research out there that shows how yeah. the autonomic nerve system is impacted and the results of it. Oh, totally. I mean, what you're but describing... Funny... Oh, go well, ahead. But they're, but they're afraid to pick that up because they don't get it. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. I well, no, and that's funny too. And th what I was getting to, and I'm glad you brought this up, Lyle, is the... What, what you're describing is understanding the bench science as opposed to the the sort of case-controlled and or randomized controlled studies. You know, I, I'm doing a lot of work with ICPA right now. The standard in chiropractic as it pertains to kids has really been quality of life research, this prospective cohort type stuff, which is really good because it shows how our patients, the people that we care for on a regular basis, perceive reality as a result of being under chiropractic care. And we know as a result of this amazing research that our, our friends in ICPA are doing that overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly quality of life improves under chiropractic care. And those of us who are chiropractors who see a lot of patients like you and I, we're sitting here going like, well, no kidding, right? Because that's how it is in our practice. Um, but I think in the outside world, people, especially people who are uncertain about what the principle in chiropractic actually means, um, those outcomes are still really tough. And as a chiropractic student, I get it because there's no certainty in what we're doing because we're still being bombarded and brainwashed on a daily basis to think that health comes from the outside in. So I, I totally get that. Um, you know, beyond this research piece, I'm reminded of something that, that Dr. Hoffman uh, shared with me when I first started teaching with him. And that's this concept that, you know, when he was growing up, the majority of the population was under aroused in the sense that their nervous systems were really kind of in this under arousal state where we had, um, in, in chiropractic neurology, we call it summation. We have a hard time bringing people to summation because they're just, they're just not they're just not being stimulated in a way that makes sense, right? Now you fast forward to our generation and we have an entire generation that's over aroused, which means they're in sympathetic dominance as you're talking about. They're in, they're in stress vulnerability. They're having a hard time adapting to their environment. And the crazy thing about it is that chiropractic care has been there the entire time to help balance things out regardless of what the symptoms are of over or under arousal. 
the, I mean, the fact that we're seeing more and more kids that have sensory processing issues now is a really good indicator that we have an overarousal problem, and it's coming from posture. It's coming from bad trauma starting in the birthing process. It's coming from environmental excitotoxicity, things like glyphosate, things like genetic modification, and it's coming from emotional stress, which you let off the podcast with, which I think is super important. So we have to address, at least understand where those causes are, where the habits are, and then address those causes. Vertebral subluxation is a huge part of that for sure, especially if you're a kid and you start off life subluxated, to be able to understand how to correct it. That's why the research itself, the condition-based research where we say, well, a chiropractic adjustment helped with an ear infection, well, we don't care. So when a, when a doctor asks me, like, do you have research for this? My response is no, and I don't care because it doesn't exist, because there's no way for us to be able to study this. What we can study is the effects of stress on the nervous system and ways to remove those distressful events. You know, and I'm gonna quote my, uh, my good friend, Dr. Steve Franson, and he talks about how stress, or I'm sorry, life is unnaturally stressful right now. It's unnaturally stressful. It's because we as human beings are displaced from generations uh, of, uh, of industrialization and we're having a hard time adapting to all these crazy technological changes that were bringing us away from our genetic mandate. I tell my patients all the time that chiropractic care is the anti-industry. Like we're the ones that bring you back to your genetic mandate so your bodies can actually heal the way they're designed to. And I think with Rob talking about, or Rob, you and Rob both are talking about stress resiliency. I mean, that's the crux, right? That's where the research needs to head. That's where our understanding as chiropractors needs to go, I think, in this next generation. It should be taught in the colleges, but I don't think it is. So a couple, a couple things there with that. Um, I'm going to come back to the stress resiliency. And this is, this is radical. And please, parents, listen to this. Don't think I'm a, a whack nut job. I'm really not. Um, but when our children are being born into a state of stress vulnerability if, if you think about it when it when a child is born and there's they're already in a state of you know behind the eight ball uh because their nerve system is no longer it's, it's already freshly coming out of mom and that nerve system is already in a state of distress could you imagine this this is the extreme of it your child being born with a cast on their arm already mm. Or um, your child being born with, you know, some type of crazy uh, behind the eight because that's what it is. Yeah. Um, you said something about uh, uh, doctors, medical doctors, even chiropractors asking you, "Well, let me see the research." Yeah. I got to tell you what. I mean, I know this is to show you, but for your ears, it's out there. Yeah. Uh, the research is out there. <laughs> um, um, you know. I had the, the pleasure of, of meeting uh, uh, Dr. Yuri Gidron a couple years ago when I was with speaking with Rob at, at his adaptability event. Yeah. And he is doing, and this isn't about children, but this is quite interesting. He is, is doing, um, uh, in Bel Belgium, I believe, with uh, uh, people who have uh, pancreatic cancer. And he's measuring them on the HRV. And what he's doing, and this is so incredible, Dan, is he's tapping on the vagal nerve with some mechanical device. And, and so then we got to talk to him about what about chiropractic, and he's intrigued uh, because he'd never been introduced to chiropractic until meeting Dr. Sinnott. Mm. And Rob is not to you know let the cat out of the bag, but he's got some big stuff coming, I promise you. Yeah. Like he's got stuff coming that I even go, 
oh my gosh, dude, this is so cool. Yeah. Uh, but I can't say. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, teaser. But <laughs> but it's interesting what Dr. Gidron is showing because um, let me find let me find it. Hold on. That's right here on my desk. I'll show you right there on neuroimmunology. Um, produced papers that show when they when they impact the vagal nerve. Measuring on an HRV component, yeah. it increases the immune response of the body. Oh my gosh, that's research. Yeah. Guess who impacts the vagal nerve? Uh, hello. With the, us, baby. Yeah. And so here's what happens. We create stress resilience, and I guarantee you, if we can get on this ship and start riding this wave, you are going to see such an insane paradigm shift. I was eating breakfast this morning with my wife, and I said, you realize that finally, because of you, and, and I'm going out, you know, I had had some health issues, so I kind of stayed home. Uh, but this year, all I'm doing is I'm talking about this. Uh, I'm taking Rob's message. Um, I'm taking his work out there. He's, he, the reason he's not is he's dealing with, with researchers that are doing this at some major universities. Yeah. I mean, it's coming, man. It's coming. Yeah. And, and the time does it get on it now. And it's, you you'd said um, you know about seeing different types of patients. Mm -hmm. Bud Crowder, one of the greatest chiropractors of all time, said this, and I'll never forget this quote: "The reason we don't see the same type of results today is because we don't see the same type of patients." You know whose fault that is? Ours. Yep. And you're changing that. Dr. Hoffman's changing that. Dr. Stan's changing that. We're changing that. Rob's changing that. Your chiropractors listening are changing that. Hmm. It's time to change because I'm sick and tired of our children being born sick. Yeah. It's over. It's brilliant, man. It's funny because I'm reminded of, um, I'm reminded of the stories that I read with respect to chiropractic history. Um, Simon Sensen's become a good friend of mine and I've been following his sort of approach to the history of chiropractic and he's doing a lot of treatises on Langworthy right now, which is, which is pretty cool because I came from LACC in Los Angeles, man. I didn't learn any of this stuff. So I'm kind of having a renaissance myself and understanding where we've been. So I know where we're going, but I mean, even looking at Spears, right. And the way that, that Spears created his hospital in and in a inpatient facility, even going back to Didi, we're finding documents that Didi had inpatient type approaches to chiropractic care. Now it's all about you know, let's let's get the patient in and out as quickly as humanly possible to treat so-called treat their symptom as opposed to creating a fertile sort of environment for lifetime family true health care. Right. I don't like using wellness care because I think wellness is completely overused, but making sure that well, families there, there, have there access. There is wellness dog food. There <laughs> really is. And I believe, honestly, a few years ago, I kid you not, I think I found a wellness mortuary. I'm not making that up. I, I'm pretty sure I did. Well, it's so. a buzzword. It's a buzzword, and nobody knows what it means, man. I mean, it's the same thing as calling fitness the same thing as health. Fitness and health are mutually exclusive concepts, but they go well together as long as we understand the big picture, which is the body doesn't need any help. It just needs no interference. We are really, really interfered with right now. We have too many freaking distractions. You, know, you, you said it. You said it here a few seconds, and I mean interruption. I it's do okay. That. I'm so sorry. You're good, man. But I was like, you say things, and I'm like, I, I want to catch him on this. Get it. You know, when I uh, and um, in that process of getting that, I remember saying, we may not have another generation of chiropractors, and it 
sparked a little fire and some interest and challenges. Mm. Um, eating breakfast with, with Sean this morning, I was like, you know, I like to think I think we're going to see a paradigm shift. Um, and I think, unfortunately, because, and I'm not picking anybody's healthcare model, but and or pe- model of paying for healthcare, but because of the recent changes in how healthcare is going to be paid for, I, I like to think I think parents are like, I'm done. I can't afford this model. Yeah. This model is terrible from a point of the outcome of it. Yeah. And what I'm paying for this model. Yeah. Um, and I and I I I think I'm starting to see people become more aware of they want something different. Yeah. I see it. The time it, it, it's coming, isn't it? Are you seeing the same thing? And I'm just talking within the last year. Yeah. Um, that maybe it's we're going to have another generation and the cool thing about it is that it's the public that is asking for something different because there is a large faction of our profession that wants to follow that allopathic model yeah you know as fred barge says so well and then you know we're i don't know if you know this we're so blessed to have his granddaughters in our office doing they have eight more days and their internship is over yeah i did know that uh, yeah, so we, we call them the batteries, and, and they're such bright little girls and young ladies. They're just – we had dinner last night and had a great dinner just talking chiropractic. And um, But Fred said it so well, even rats know when to get off a sinking ship. Yeah. Um, I, I like to think, Dan, I'm starting to see a shift, yeah. but that shift is being driven by parents. Yeah. That shift is being driven by mom and dads that want something different. Um, I have a little boy but that – literally told his mom when he was when mom was getting adjusted a couple weeks ago mom i want to do that too <laughs> see we're starting to see a shift yeah um and that shift is is what you're driving right here dan is we're it's time to shift toward resilience it's time to shift to the adaptability focused paradigm yeah. we have that shift i'm uh, i'm reminded of an episode that aired on this podcast this season a few months back with my friend uh, mary flannery um She's done a ton of research into how millennials communicate. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tie up our, our little talk here, I think, with this. And I, I'd love to hear a couple of words on what you think of this. But um, millennials are an interesting group because I think, I think we've, been, we've been treated so poorly by the status quo. Right. I'm not going to ta- I'm not going to say that we're entitled because God knows there's entitlement across all generations. And I know that's a misnomer, but most of the researchers talk about millennials and their communication style disagree that it's an entitlement issue. They do agree that millennials are are here and we're pissed. And the reason we're pissed is because really what I describe with regards to my parents' generation, where my parents' generation have have really been born out of the greatest generation, they they really have learned to kind of trust authority in a way that makes sense to them. They're getting a little older. They're kind of just cruising. And we're seeing our generation now having kids and realizing that we don't want our kids to end up the way that we ended up. We want to give them a little bit more opportunity. We want them to work hard. We want them to, to earn that responsibility but what we're finding is that there is already a paradigm shift with millennial healthcare consumers. Um, consider for the fact that an average millennial, by the time they graduate college, will have five figures of educational debt minimum. I mean, never mind what chiropractic educational debt is. Um, 
Number two, uh, they're going to start having kids a little later. So in their 30s, 30s and, and you know, late 30s, mostly. Um, they're going to start, you know, buying homes later. They're going to have all these other things that have been pushed off, right? Health is not one of them. Most of the folks that I see in my office, because I have a family-driven practice and I tend not to see folks over the age of 65, are millennial-aged parents between the ages of, say, 24 and 35, 36. When they come into my practice, because I don't accept assignment on any insurance, I'm 100% cash like you, the conversation is, do you want what we have to offer? If that's health, improved health outcomes, you're in the right place. If the answer is, no, I just want to get out of pain, there's two things that I respond to these parents with. And if you're listening to this podcast, listen up. Number one, you got to change your goals if that's all you want. Or number two, you got to change what your what your your means for achieving those goals are. Because I think a lot of people obviously are motivated by pain, but they don't understand what that pain is coming from. So parents that you're listening, and I'm really glad Lyle brought this up, the paradigm shift really starts with you, right? When you find a good chiropractor, you find a good healthcare practitioner that, that understands the philosophy of vitalism that we're trying to espouse, you need to send every single person you know to these people because we have power in numbers and we can make that huge shift occur quicker if we're all in it together. It's a big tribe. It's not a cult. It's not some sort of weird sort of fad mentality, man. Vitalism is here to stay. This idea that the body heals from the inside out. And if we can help espouse that, then um, I think we're going to make that huge shift that Lyle and I are talking about. So go spread the word and let it happen. Um, <clears throat> hey, Lyle, where uh, where can everybody find you? <laughs> right here. <laughs> uh, I, uh, you know, I practice in Omaha, Nebraska. I've uh, been around 29 years. And, um, you know, it's interesting. Dinner last night with my wife and my daughter and the batteries. Um, we call the batteries cause their name are Amanda and Angela. So AA and, uh, <clears throat> you know, it was interesting. We, um, when I started my practice in, in 89, um, I had a model and it's interesting. It's 2018. It's the same model, <laughs> you know, we're, so we're here in Omaha, um, you know, doing the same thing and I'm going to do the same thing for a lot longer. Cause yeah. you know, I, like you said, I, I took a little breather gathered my breath. Now I'm back at it. Yeah. That's great, man. If you guys are uh, anywhere in the Midwest, I recommend you go, go check <clears> out <throat> Dr. Coach's office. It's pretty brilliant. I, uh, <coughs> I had the, uh, the blessing of having to get to teach out there twice last year. Twice. And, uh, I hope I get to come back soon. I'm going to come back and just hang out with you. We can drink some <laughs> scotch and talk about Stevenson. How's that? I'd love to do that. Cool, man. Um, so if you're out there, chiropractors, I know you guys are listening and you're sharing with your patients. Uh, look, look, Dr. Coach up. He's he's the man. Um, he's definitely a, a guy that I think we can all um, all look up to and, uh, and uh, we can learn a lot from. And uh, if you're listening, guys, um, and you like this content, by all means, you know, share on social media, share Facebook, share Twitter, share Instagram, use the hashtag normalize chiropractic and uh, together. You know, we'll all save a life. Um, I wanted to thank everybody for being a part of this season. Thank you so much for, for joining us, Dr. Dr. Lyle. Thank you for closing out this incredible season. You're talking about Dr. Stan. He opened the season for us, and you're closing it. I think it's, I think it's apropos. So, um, guys, thank you so much. Share this with as many people as you can, and uh, we will see you in 2019 for season three. Take care. Bye.